Hello and welcome to Talking Transfers from the 90 Min Podcast Network. I'm Scott Saunders, joined by 90 Min's transfer correspondent, Graham Bailey, and 90 Min's top cat, Toby Cudworth. We're going into an international break, which inevitably means that interest in football might fall off a little bit. We might see transfer speculation creep up a little bit, and we're going to bring you all of the latest. Uh, Graham, how are you doing? I'm good. Yeah, I'm looking forward to the funny foreign courts, which will come out during during the course of the next two, 10 weeks, only to be denied once they get back to the clubs always, in, about, in about 10 days' time, yeah. Always seems to happen, doesn't it? It always used to happen with Paul Pogba when he went on France to Una, when he played for Man United. Yeah. And he would go and say something to maybe one of the Figure journalists on. he's known for a, for a, for yeah. a good few years. Always misquoted, even though we've heard we've literally yeah. heard the translation. <laughs> it wasn't. Yes, indeed. Toby, how's it going? Yeah, fine, mate. West Ham didn't play this weekend, so my mood was not soured. And it's another two weeks before we play Southampton in a eagerly awaited bottom of the table clash. So, uh, yeah, all good. Looking forward to international football, or am I? It's no. probably a lie, isn't it? Is anybody looking forward to it? I don't think you are. Don't think you are. Toby, I-, I will just ask, we'll talk about this later on in the show, but are you looking at Crystal Palace's appointment of Roy Hodgson with green eyes? I'm... Yeah, I want to go and shake Steve Parrish's hand and say thanks very much because I think Palace's chances of staying up have uh, somehow decreased despite the shocking run of form they've been on. I just don't get that. It's such a time warp appointment. And am I dreaming or did Roy Hodgson's last stint at an equally doomed Watford not go very well? Oh, I didn't. I forgot about that. Actually. Yeah. Yeah, I'd for, I, I was I was I was doing the Roy Hodgson story this morning, and I saw a picture of him in Watford jacket. I totally forgot he'd been at Watford in between. I thought his last job was Palace, and it wasn't. But yeah, it's such a it, it's hard to see him getting a bounce out of the players, isn't it? And he's not he's not exactly attack minded, is he, Roy? So, and the one thing Palace need to do is score goals. So, if they think a lot of draws are going to keep them up, fair play. But I don't think the rest of us do. Well, technically, they're on twenty seven points, right? And if they mm-hmm. drew all of their last. <laughs> 11 matches yeah. that's 38 points I think they've got 11 games left I want to say they've played 27 the only 28 they've played okay. yeah, the only thing that's going in their favour is their fixture list which we've discussed previously is very favourable so there is every chance they will stay up but I'm telling you now if Palace do stay up it's not because they brought Roy Hodgson back I and got rid of totally disagree. So I think every, every, I think there's every chance to get relegated as I said I think they're the worst team by a long way in the bottom half of that table now I just think they're showing they're showing absolutely nothing I think they are I, I think you, there's a reason for the rest to be optimistic I said, the only, Leicester and West Ham, I keep saying you took, you're both too good to go down. <laughs> There's so much longer we can keep saying that. But I think in terms of form, I think Palace are by far the worst team, by far. Do you find it weird, the the, the whole Vieira sacking? I mean, there's been a lot of... Uh, we were going to come to this later in the show, but since we're on it already, may as well start with it. Patrick Vieira is going into a run where I know that they weren't playing great stuff, they weren't really scoring, but... Difficult run, it was pointed out. They haven't won any games this year, I don't think. But you are going into a run of games now for the rest of the season where you're playing your direct rivals. Is it a little bit unfair, Graham? I think so, because he would obviously he was given that four game stint starting with Villa and going through the top of the table. He was like, Give me four game run now and <laughs> let me see how I do. But and to be fair to Patrick, he was let down in January by Steve Parish. Everyone knew they needed a striker. 
yeah, they couldn't come up with the money. They were outbid by Bournemouth, the Semenyo, and they let Benteke move to America, which looks a very, very strange decision now. They've just got nothing. And Wilfried Zahar, I think someone needs to remind him that he's playing for a big new con- big contract this summer because if he keeps playing as he is, he's not going to get one anyway. We are, he's out of contract this summer, Zahar, right? I think this has mm. been a long time coming. That's pretty much nailed on. Palace stay up or leave, he, he's or, or get relegated. Uh, don't want to put you on the spot, Graham, but it's, mm. it's looking like he's going to. He wants Champions game. League. Yeah, we did this. We did a piece. On it. He's had offers from Saudi Arabia. Alita had. We did a piece about six to eight weeks ago. Marseille being very keen on him, and they are now I think still second in Ligue 1. So they could offer him that Champions League football. Something everyone forgets. He hasn't played in his career. Even though he went to Manchester United, he never played Champions League, did he, Scott? So I think it's a it's a real ambition of his to play Champions League football. I don't see him getting it in England. I think his chances of going to Chelsea and Arsenal a couple of years out of date now. So I think I think a move to France might suit him. You know, he's a, he remember he's not a recourse international. Um, a lot of those in France. So um, I think a move to South of France could suit him. Yes, indeed. Uh, we will see uh, what or how Crystal Palace fear over the next few weeks because they are very much in the mix with a, a number of other teams in the Premier League to avoid relegation or potentially fall through the trapdoor. One team who won't get relegated but have been playing as if they might all season but are somehow in fourth place are Tottenham. I thought you were going to say Chelsea, that's guy. <laughs> put Chelsea in that bracket as well. There's no, there's not much Chelsea today. We'll do some Mason Mount later. I'll, I'll run through the, the running order before we go into Spurs and Conte. We'll talk a bit of Jude Bellingham. We'll talk a bit of Erling Haaland, Mason Mount, Gabri Vega, Paul Pogba, Gavi and his Barcelona feature, Ruben Neves and some Man United ownership latest as well. Follow us on all of our socials, 90min underscore football. And personally at underscore Scott Saunders, at Toby underscore Cudworth, and at Graham Bailey uh, for all of the latest from us. And also visit 90min.com for all the latest on the transfer stuff that is is inevitably going to ramp up. I'm sure we'll have enough stories coming your way over the next couple of weeks as well, as well as this podcast. But let's move into the Tottenham sphere, I I guess. This this. Let's talk about the press conference first, because I've had this conversation enough times. I just can't get enough of it. Honestly, I can't get enough of the the fallout, what people think of it. I just think it was fantastic. It was absolutely brilliant entertainment. Really, really fun to watch. And I'm quite disappointed that Spurs are looking to part ways with Antonio Conte, because the entertainment value that I got out of that, Toby, was just incredible sensational to see wasn't it from a neutral point of view you do wonder if he had already had that exact conversation with the Spurs players I don't doubt that he had on numerous occasions and he just decided enough's enough we know how Antonio Conte can be we know he's volatile he said many things in press conferences before he's buried players um, and put the emphasis on the fact that they've disappointed him but it was just that it was scathing, wasn't it? It was scathing. And to dig into Spurs' history in the way that he did and said that this is a 20-year problem um, it just makes his position at the club completely untenable. But from a neutral perspective, that's the kind of stuff you want to hear in press conferences, don't you? You want to see managers getting into players because there's no way that Spurs, in the position they're in against Southampton in that game, should have come away with just a point. 
Um, it's just a shame he's um, he's not going to be sticking around by the look of it. What is the latest there, Graham? Yeah, um, we did a piece last week, didn't we, where um, most people within the club thought he was on his last legs. And then we saw what happened at the weekend with his reaction. And I think I've heard from a few Spurs fans, a few Spurs friends who, you know, if only the, if he could show that passion to the players before a game, because Spurs have just been lacking that passion on the pitch, the way he sets them up um, against in the game with Milan in the Champions League. And it's just, and, and their first half performances, I, I think that someone might write a book on Spurs' first half performances this year because they've been so strange. One one team turns up in the first half is very different to a team who turns up in the second half, and that is down to the manager. And and yeah, as Toby said, from repeating what we're hearing from Sars, the position is untenable. A piece earlier yesterday about the issue is probably probably explains why he has already gone. Is the compensation? He used a year three sacking before the end of the season. I'm sure that's something Daniel Levy is working on now. It's a complicated situation, you know. Will Will Conte take a payoff? Will he take less than that? Who knows? It and I imagine that's what a lot of the talks behind the scenes are going. But the chance of him being in charge for Spurs next game, next to nothing. So yeah, we know talks are ongoing now, and it is about this major compensation. And if he does go, there's going to be a lot of speculation about who's coming in. From from what we're hearing, Scott, likely Ryan Mason will get the reins. Will they then look at? who's on the market. I think they'll take the time to a certain extent. They'll see what's out there. But yeah, Mason will be the man in charge for their next game. I have little doubt. Is that next game or the rest of the season or is that a decision that's yet to be made? I think that's yet to be made. You know, the the option, there are options out there out of work. You know, Mauricio Pochettino, him, chance of him coming back is very high. Luis Enrique is out of work. He's one of the options if, if they go abroad. Uh, wouldn't rule him out. So, there probably is a decent chance that a new manager could come in before the end of the season, Scott. There, there is that every chance if you want to go down the Enrique or Pochettino route. There's no, there's no reason why they couldn't come in straight away. But um, let's see how easy it is for him to for for Dan Levy to remove Antonio Conte. It might not be the easiest job he's ever had. Let me um let me quickly dig into stats. You know I love stats. You spoke there, Graham, about Tottenham in the first half. So in the Premier League this season, Tottenham have scored 18 goals in the first half in their 28 Premier League games, and they've conceded 18. In the second half, they've scored 34 and conceded 22. So the game massively opens up after half time. Their home games in particular are complete chalk and cheese. 14 games at home. At half time, they've been leading four times. They've scored just nine goals. In the second half, Spurs have won the half nine times out of 14 and have scored 20 and conceded five. So for the first 45 minutes, they're just not really doing very much. And then they either come to life or we see what happens at the weekend against Southampton where they get themselves into a good position and then they collapse under the pressure. There's never really been a consistent performance this season under Conte for the 90 minutes. They've had one or two displays where they've ground out good results and you're thinking, "Mm, they're turning a corner here. But then the next weekend, they just kind of revert and flip-flop back to the negative, passive brand of football that they've been playing all season. Hard to see how you can look past the players potentially for that. It can't fully be on the manager, can it, for the players not this coming is, out of the trap? This is what I wanted to ask, because I feel as though this is down to a Tottenham identity crisis that has been there for a number of years now with the 
profile of managers that they're appointing. It's like they're trying to give the illusion that they want to be a big club and step up. And I'm not saying Spurs aren't a big club, but that they want to compete with the very biggest. And that tells you that they're going for trophies with the managers that they appoint. But then at the same time, I look at the people, the, the signings that they've made with Conte there. Jed Spence, for example, he's never made any secret that this is a club signing, he called it. I would put Dan Juma in that as well because he's barely used him. So that tells me that they're not on the same page. And when we saw in preseason, there were videos of Spurs players running until they were physically ill. And that is the type of commitment that Conte wants and expects. And it just just seems to be a mishmash there. And I understand why he's gone for those. Uh, he, he said the, the things that he said. I think it's one thing to call out your players. It's another thing to maybe hang your club out to dry when they've not supported you in the right way in public. Um, but I have actually have some sympathy for Conte, personally. Uh, what do you think, Graham? It, it, and I would also add here, if they left Ryan Mason in charge for the rest of the season, I would probably, as a outsider looking at Spurs, I'd probably be more confident that they would get top four with Conte there, even in these conditions, than with Ryan Mason. You would hope so. Antonio Conte, he's just... It's a strange one, you know. It wasn't his job to give him the length of contract, but this has been going... This has been this undercurrent all season with Spurs, hasn't it? With Conte from the very first pre-season press conference asked about his future. And I think from the Spurs' point of view, it must be so frustrating because, you know, the Premier League, yeah, Arsenal played really well, but every other club is probably slightly behind where they could be. Even even United could probably have more points, Scott, you know. I think it's a massive chance missed for Tottenham this year. You know, they they could have been pushing on for so much more in so many competitions. And I think that's why they're probably angry, the fans, because it's an opportunity. How often are you going to get Liverpool and Chelsea not battling for top four, basically? It's never. It's probably won't happen in our lifetime again. And so I think they missed a real chance this season. And no, I, I like Kante as a winner, but I think just his overall demeanour, reaction, the ways he hasn't used Richarlison, I, I think I think it's taught him to be far better than what they're showing. And, that, and I would ultimately, even put Richarlison in that category, though, of maybe but, a player that he didn't want. But he hasn't used it. He hasn't tried to use him, Scott. I, I think I think that's massive. I, I think it's massively down. It is. It is on Conte's. It is on his 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 watch. I don't think, as as Toby said, I don't think we've seen hardly any glimpses. Every concert shot, think, yeah, put hang your hat on. That's the concert performance there. That's where they've been brilliant. It's down to the brilliance of the players they've got in Sane and Son and Kane. That's where it's coming from, you know. And, and I, I think Conte has just been hugely, hugely disappointing. And I think if he gets sacked, Spurs have every right to sack him. I do think you, he's do you think though poor. that that's what the that's the point he's trying to make in the fact that he doesn't think his players will try hard enough for him, meet the standards he expects of them, and that's why he's frustrated. Because I just mentioned there about the, the pre-season sessions that they went through. He expects players to run through brick walls for but, him. But it's his job to get them performance out of the players, Scott. He's a world-class manager. It's his job to do that. The only thing I would add to that is, are Antonio Conte's expectations a tad unrealistic? He's been a manager for 17 years. Spurs are his ninth club. Juventus is the only time that he's ever been for a club for three seasons. Every other stint he's ever had has lasted two years and no longer than that. Conte, undoubtedly, very good tactically, kind of redefined, bringing 3-5-2 back into um, mainstream football. 
but there's limitations to the systems that he plays and clearly there's limitations to the the physical element of what he's asking his players to do I don't doubt for a minute that Spurs' players can offer more but does Conte have a ceiling that is unreachable for the calibre of player that he's working with as well does he want too much with the resources that well, Spurs' fault isn't it because Conte has made, never made any secret of the fact that he wants to win so that's Spurs' fault for appointing him it, yeah, it makes Conte's the, obviously going to take the money. It makes the appointment all the more baffling. The Richarlison signing that you've touched on there, Scott, was baffling. To pay close to £60 million all in for a player who at Everton played either up front or on the left wing, where did Spurs or where do Spurs' two best players play up front and on the left wing? It was a signing that you never really thought, how's he going to fit into this team? And we haven't actually seen him as bad as Son has been this year. Conte has still opted to persist with Son rather than giving Richarlison a run in the team. And it's clear that something is fundamentally broken, that relationship between Conte and the club. Um, Spurs have just got to think differently, haven't they? With their next appointment, they've got to go back to a hard reset. I know you're a big fan of the squad that they've got, Graham, but I think they're weak in a number of areas. I, mm-hmm. I think they're fragile. They need to beef up in midfield. The defence. I think they're only, you know, obviously need a keeper. I think they're only three or four short of, of really pushing, pushing the likes of, of maybe not City, but maybe United, Liverpool. I don't. I think they're only three or four short. But it's easier said than done. Getting those three, getting three or four signs. I suppose testament to the to that recruitment problem aren't they they're the one team who get it wrong more than any others really in the Premier League so yeah and I I just don't think they should overthink this you, you know guys I think they've just got to bring Poch back don't overthink it don't don't try and appoint Amarin who's the new Mourinho in Villas Boas I, lo- I love him as a manager he's great do you look at Deserbi who's the flavour of the month at the moment all this do you go Luis Enrique who's just another carnation of Conte and Mourinho you've been down that route again just just reappoint Pochettino and have a reset. Have a, I, I agree with that, TC. Have a reset, but under Pochettino. Someone you know, someone you trust, someone who knows the players, knows the fans, then everyone can everyone can trust each other again. I, I would do a reset, but under Pochettino. I, I actually think Spurs need six or seven players because they need to strengthen the first team with three players, mm. at least, who are good enough. And their bench has never been good enough. Pochettino managed to get a tune out of a number of players who to be honest, weren't top-level footballers, but they found a way to make it work. Other teams are also going to strengthen with three or four players. Spurs, are, they might bring that amount in, but everyone else is going to do it as well. They've got to somehow get ahead of the curve and they need added depth. And that's the one thing that they've not had under Conte, Mourinho, and to a lesser extent, the end of Pochettino's reign. They didn't have great bench depth there either. They had a starting eleven, and then two or three other players that Poch really trusted, but that was it. But then again, if, and if, but the other key thing with Poch, isn't it? If he helps keep Harry Kane, then it's a massive thing in his favour as well, isn't it? Yes, of course. Uh, we'll see what happens with Harry Kane. Obviously, he has a decision to make about what he wants to do. Uh, there are other clubs interested in him. Uh, I just think it's a big risk to to go back to what you had before. I think it's uh, potentially an accident waiting to happen. We'll see. At least Spurs fans will be happy for the time being. Anyway, uh, let's move on to... uh, I I will just finish that section with, as we record this, no decision has been made from Spurs, but we are expecting 
a parting of the ways <clears throat> at some point in the next 48 hours, given what we understand and what we've heard from sources close to the club. Anyway, uh, let's talk about another... Let's, let's go to Jude Bellingham, actually. Uh, now, early this week, we have seen from other places that Liverpool are unlikely to sign Jude Bellingham in current circumstances. We've been saying for a number of months at Nightingham that there's not specifically a front runner um, and that Real Madrid, Manchester City are in the mix. We've also said, or Graham's been saying, don't rule out Jude Bellingham staying at Dortmund uh, because Dortmund are not Graham. Dortmund are not in a position where they have to sell. He, his contract is, is is not coming up anytime soon. There is. They, are they top of the league now? I think they are, aren't they? After buying yeah. loss last weekend, so they're, they're in a good position. Dortmund. They don't need to sell. They've been selling players for a number of years, and if they do sell him, they're in a strong negotiating position. Graham. Uh, so they're standing firm. Yeah, it's very true, Scott. I think what people forget is, and, and obviously the fans can only read what, what some of the British media are pointing out there, but some of the British media tend to forget that Dortmund have got him under the contract to 2025. They're allowing him to talk to these other clubs because they're, they're a well-run club and they're not here to make them happy. They, they sign players on the promise that they're going to build the future, so they're seeing what is available. His people and his family have been talking to Real, Liverpool, Man City for since the summer, if not before. Like Wani Califat, has been talking to Bellingham since he was at Birmingham, we believe. So you know, he builds up these relationships. But Dortmund are letting him talk to that, and then if he doesn't want to sign his new deal, they're open to him going. But there's no bargain fee here. They want 150 million euros. And, the, and then people, some people may raise their eyebrows at that. They want him to be sold for more than what they sold Usman Dembele to to Barcelona in 2017. I think it was 144 million. So I don't think it that's it's beyond the realms of fantasy for them to ask that price. I think that is market value. Now, Real and City can afford that because this isn't a release clause. Everyone remember, guys, this isn't a release clause. So we don't have to pay it all in one go. It is in conversation with Dortmund. You can pay over a certain amount of years. However, obviously, it, when it comes to the third two to Liverpool. As we know, Scott, Liverpool got no history, especially under FSG, who aren't going anywhere. John Henry's confirmed they're staying in charge. FSG have paid no ever paid anywhere near this sort of deal, and obviously, again, he comes with a huge wage packet as well, Bellingham, and it, it, it's a tough one to see them doing. But from our understanding, they're still in the race. It is where it is. Bellingham, we expect to make a decision or to tell Dortmund where he his position is by the end of the month. Although some people are telling me maybe Easter Scott, which is a few weeks later. So we'll see we'll see where we are. If he does say to Dortmund I want to leave, that is the issue. But Dortmund are also preparing. If Dortmund, if he does stay at Dortmund, it won't just be all right, thanks, see you later. We'll see in, in pre-season. They will make him the a new will they'll give him a new contract, make him the highest paid player in their history. And it will also, which is a big thing, it'll have a release clause in. And this is very similar to what they did with Erling Haaland. He stayed that extra year. He benefited. And Dortmund are putting this to him, saying, look, you can go now, but look what happened. Look at these points we're making to you. Look at how Haaland. Look what happened to Jaden Sancho. Yeah, he's now coming back into it. If he'd stayed at Dortmund for another year, who's to tell what might have happened? And I think he is listening. He's still only a teenager, isn't he? He's still 19, isn't he, guys? Uh, amazingly. So, and, and, and the Euros being in Germany next summer is a great thing for him to prepare for. So, yeah, 
we don't know yet, but it, it will be one of those three if he does go. But I think the staying at Dortmund thing is getting stronger and stronger. It's been said to me, sources close to Dortmund have said it all along. They've been putting their case to him. We think the family are receptive to it. His mum's living over there with him. He's very happy there. Another 12 months, and then he, he really and and he really can have his pick of clubs then because it, and the release clause will be what his release clause will be, guys. It'll be less than 100. Look what Haaland went for. It's going to be a fee that someone so if he really wants to join Liverpool, this may be a hint. If he signs this new deal at Dortmund, that may be the hint we all need that he does want to join Liverpool because that opens the door for them. So I do, just, I do wonder. I just confirmed. I do wonder, Scott, if 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 City and Real might think this is their one chance to get him. I, I do wonder that. I, you did mention Jaden Sancho there. Like, if there's, as we found out <laughs> a few years ago, Dortmund, when they don't have a reason to sell, if if their price ain't met, they won't. <laughs> it's as simple as that, really. And I think mm-hmm. it's it's probably the case here as well. And I I kind of agree with your your assessment there in terms of. If a, Barcelona, a Barcelona source told me, Scott, well, they're trying to negotiate with Dortmund and said, we did get a reduction. They went down a million euros. They went from 145 to 144. And that took, that took, and they said that took months to get them down by a million euros. Like, because they knew what was happening with Neymar. It said, I think it was about six weeks of talks or something. It said, the hammer, the, every day they were hammering and they dropped by a million euros. So, yeah, don't rule it out. Uh, don't rule out Jude Bellingham potentially staying. And like, like you say, I, I've, I've maintained this all along. I don't think it's the right... Jude Bellingham could well join Liverpool. I'm not saying that he's not going to. But is it the right time for Jude Bellingham to move now? I don't think it is. To, to Liverpool. Is it the right time for Jude Bellingham to move to Liverpool right now? I don't think it is. Oh, no, not if it's Liverpool. If it's if he fancies City and Madrid, then probably no better time. Especially Different Madrid. And, and and guys, if we should look as well. Madrid, there's t- talks going on with Modric and Tony Cruz. No new deals there. And that is because of Bellingham. That is impacting on that. You know, these guys, you know, I don't see both of them staying put if Bellingham comes in. Camavinga's talking about a new deal. Chumani. Um, yeah. As we have heard that point, pointed out in, in commentary, I think it would be to our analysis. There's only one club you join if you're leaving this summer, really, and that and that is Real. It's and that I, in Bellingham, that's going to be a very hard club to turn down, isn't it? Real, very hard as as the stand. Look at the players there. Look at the players are going to have coming in. It's going to be very hard. Club. Mbappe at some point. Sure. Yeah, it's going to be Benzema's replacement. In all honesty, it's probably going to be Mbappe or Haaland, isn't it? You got Endrick coming in. You got Vinicius Junior, who's probably becoming the best player in the world, and and Rodrigo struggling to get in Valverde. It's it's a mouthwatering prospect to play with those guys. Let's uh, anything to add there, Toby? No, I just think, as you say, Dortmunds don't need to sell him, and Jude Bellingham does not need to move right now. He's nineteen. This situation is not going to change in twelve months. Hell, it wouldn't change in three or four years. He'd still have every club in the world after him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, if the deal's not right for Dortmund, understandably, they're going to hold out for a fee that they think he's worth. He is the most valuable midfielder in world football right now. Do, do you guys think that's a fair 150 million euros? It's not that outlandish. Is that, it? That, that is a fair price for Jubelium at the moment. Mm. Yeah, and, I agree. And, and do you think, TC, this could have um, knock on effects for you guys, especially at West Ham with Declan Rice? If Bellingham isn't going anywhere, suddenly Declan Rice looks very attractive for some of these teams. Absolutely, because we anticipate Manchester City are going to rebuild their midfield in mm. some way this summer. We're expecting Bernardo Silva to leave. Calvin Phillips' future is uncertain. Ilkay Gundogan could be leaving. So something's got to give. If it's not Jude Bellingham going to Manchester City this summer, 
Declan Rice's name, he's already on their list, could be bumped up. Um, so yeah, huge ramifications for whatever Bellingham chooses to do could shape how the, the rest of the market pans out. It's also worth just throwing in there as well the fact that Enzo Fernandez moved to Chelsea for the amount of money that he did just a few months ago yeah. means that he has they, to go for more than that. I love, en- I love, I love, yeah, I love Enzo, but yeah, yeah Jude's a better player. Easily, he's more proven in Europe. Let's just say that. Mm. Um, but anyway, let's uh, let's move on to Manchester City. What can you tell us about the position on Erling Haaland at the moment, Tobe? Mm. So when Erling Haaland joined. Manchester City from Borussia Dortmund as we know City triggered a release clause in Haaland's contract at Dortmund that's why they got him for a relatively modest fee Uh, and one of the conditions in Haaland's contract was that there was a set fee put in his contract to allow him to leave City in the future uh, that clause was tied to the future of Pep Guardiola who we thought may or may not be leaving Man City At the end of his contract in 2023, he then signed a new two-year deal to commit his future to the club until 2025. And that impacted the clause in Erling Haaland's contract. So it doesn't become live until 2025. We believe it to be worth around 200 million euros. And it's only available to clubs outside of the Premier League. And we know Real Madrid, Barcelona, PSG and Bayern Munich all still like Haaland. The fact that he moved to Manchester City doesn't change anything. He's 22. He's going to be at the very top of world football for the next 10, 15 years. From City's perspective, they ideally would like to renegotiate a new contract with Haaland. He's only been there for nine months. He joined last June, but as we know, scored 42 goals already this season. The most that a player has ever scored in a single City for season, uh, season for City, sorry, 28 of those in the Premier League. City are keen to reward him with new terms, but they'd also like to remove that contract clause, if possible, to allow the fee to be dictated by them in the future. Whether or not Haaland's cab would want to discuss a new contract right now remains to be seen. He's obviously signed a five-year deal when he arrived, so there's no rush from his part. But his agent spoke at the back end of last year saying that Haaland could be the first footballer who, when you throw everything in, in terms of commercial value, sponsorship deal, etc., could be worth closer to a billion pounds rather than 200 million euros, which is written into this contract. So he's arguably the most marketable footballer there is. And City would like to try and remove that clause, wouldn't they, Graham, just to position themselves for a few years' time when Real Madrid inevitably come calling that they can get a fair and reflective price for how good he is. Yeah, is Real Madrid and Barcelona, let's, let's, let's make it right here. They're, Barcelona and Real Madrid are the two worries here for City. You know, obviously PSG, Chelsea, there'll be lots of teams who come calling, but they're the two dangers for City here. They're the two who can lure him away to Spain. And, and Madrid, you know, with Benzema coming to the end of his, end of his uh, contract as well. And I say, Toby, uh, it's it's an interesting one from City's point of view. I'm not I'm not sure, and, and 200 million euros. You say I, we talk about it now. If, if he carries on this sort of form, that sort of fee in 2025 is going to be probably about right for Haaland. And so, this could be an absolute masterstroke for me, agents of Haaland, 
and by that time, you know, Real have probably built up enough stock as well if they get the other targets beforehand. It's an interesting one. But, you know, by then, two, what would be two, three years into his spell, I think we only ever assumed that Haaland was going to be staying three or four years here at City. And it's interesting, wasn't it, that um, his his contract was extended, all these clauses were taken, one of them was taken out due, due, due to Guardiola staying put, Toby, wasn't it? And mm. And and obviously we only know what what was his contract to twenty twenty four Guardiola his new contract Guardiola's like new contract takes it through to twenty twenty five so the Haaland clause was in there for twenty twenty four but mm. Guardiola's extension has pushed that back by twelve months but we're talking about two hundred million euros there that's not even a world record transfer fee as it stands <laughs> Neymar yeah. Neymar went for two 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 in twenty seventeen when he joined PSG. There's no way that you're looking at Haaland right now and you're not saying he should be the most expensive footballer ever. Him or Mbappe. Um, well, as you, as you said, that, the fact they had that, they had that, it's the thing with Bellingham as well, where the fact that they had that player friendly clause, you know, if you're really desperate to get a player, that, that's what can happen, isn't it? The players can have that power to get these clauses put in, and Haaland's done it throughout his career now. He's done it brilliantly, hasn't he? Let's move on talking contracts because uh, we've been going 33 minutes already. Uh, plenty to sink your teeth into there, but we'll talk. We'll switch to Chelsea. More contract talks. Uh, Mason Mount this time, who is not a favorite among the Chelsea faithful at the moment, I dare suggest. Uh, having a troubled season. He's not having the best season in the world. Chelsea, obviously, not having the best season in the world at the moment. They've been trying for a number of months, as much as a year. Graham, is that is that? Do you think it was? I think it was October time when Reese James signed his new deal. If you remember, guys, and, and Mount was quite close at that point to signing yeah. as well. There was just a few issues there, and and it's just stagnated. You know, this is all um, plodded along. They've kept on stalling. There was reports that Paul Wynn Stanley had taken over talks and that had taken it back to step one, which it hadn't because, you know, it's about the length of deal. It's not really about the money, from what I'm told, but also it's about the future project and Mount needs to feel right about it. Um, Chelsea are desperate for him to say, Todd Burley does not want to lose him. Let's get this right. He doesn't want to lose him. A lot of the Chelsea hierarchy don't. However, as we discussed on last week's show, Chelsea got his new rules in place now. They're not going to let anyone walk away from Stamford Bridge on a free. So if he hasn't signed this new deal by June, they're going to sell him. And there's no shortage of admirers, and and Liverpool are very much at the head of the head of this chase. They know it's potentially available, and it's a straight, it's a strange situation for Chelsea to find themselves in. Um, but you know, if it may seem out if he doesn't believe in this Chelsea project, which I think will be the nub of the matter, um, you know, he'll be on his way. If and it's, it's up to Chelsea, isn't it? If he, if they're happy to languish where they are with an average manager and then lose their best young talents, so be it. Great. So, Graham, what, what is it? What's the hold on this? What What is Mason Mount's issue? I don't... So, so we're hearing that he doesn't particularly want to sign a seven, eight-year deal. I don't think the money's really a massive issue. I think that's one of the things. He wants to know about... He, he cares about this club as well. It's not just that, you know, it's I'm not slagging off for foreign midfielders, but this is a home but homegrown player he loves the club he wanted to succeed he wants to know where they're going and at the moment he's not happy to sign this deal i think i think the length of laws is not length of contract is a is a worry to him and and that's what it is and and i think at this point now scott they're they're fielding inquiries from elsewhere 
He knows that Liverpool wants him. He knows that City United uh, keep an eye on the situation, as are Newcastle. It's, it's an interesting one. You know, if he's going to go and get first-team football at Anfield, why should he sit on the... Sit and watch the back of Graham Potter's head if he doesn't need it. Well, is is that another point in the case then? Because Chelsea mm, have yeah. a lot, a hell of a lot of players. He's not currently an automatic pick. Is mm. there any guarantee if even if he does sign that he's an automatic pick? I, is, I think has so. He got but, better chances elsewhere. But also for, to defend Graham Potter there as well. If if there's someone there who isn't fully on board my project, then why should I play him? And so I see it from Graham Potter's point of view as well. If he doesn't think that Mount is a first choice and is not on board with him, then yeah, why play him? So you got both sides to every argument, obviously. But and 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 as you say, Scott, he's getting a bit of a bit of criticism from Chelsea fans. I really don't see where that's coming from. I, I, I beg his belief. You know, I don't think Mount's done that much wrong at all. I, for for and for Chelsea to even contemplate losing this guy, there's something majorly going wrong at the club. If they lose Mason Mount, there's something massively wrong at that football club. Let's uh, let's switch on. The, the theme of today's show is contract talks. Uh, so we'll move to Gavi and Barcelona. Toby. Now, suggestions over the last few days that obviously Bar- we, we all know that Barcelona have uh, issues with player registration, finances, et cetera, et cetera, having to cut a, a number of million uh, from you know, their books before they can go and sign new players. Gavi is, was on a youth contract, right? And they, they agreed a new, a new deal with him on a new terms to move forward with. But there's been a bit of a, a snag in that and suggestions that he's reverted back to his youth contract, which means he could technically leave the club for free yeah. or on, for a, a small fee in the summer with a number of Premier League clubs interested. We did see that floating around over the last few days. But Gabby's made a decision. Yeah, Barcelona thought this was done and dusted in September. They thought they'd agreed, well, they had agreed with Gavi a new four-year contract, raising his release clause to a billion euros, as Barcelona always seems to put into their player contracts. But the issue that Barcelona have had is that La Liga have not registered that new contract. Um, Barcelona are still in financial trouble. They still need to get rid of players this summer to be active in the transfer market and we know that they are desperate to strengthen their squads so money's got to come from somewhere so as it stands Gavi is still technically on that youth contract which expires at the end of June Um, we know Manchester City Liverpool PSG Bayern Munich all your usual heavy hitters have been monitoring Gavi's situation and there is hope that they could steal in and potentially lure him away but Gavi's told Barcelona in no uncertain terms he's committed to that new contract that he signed. He has no intention of leaving. Um, So it's now a case of Barcelona needing to address their finances, essentially. Um, Get their affairs in order, get other players off the books, potentially Frankie de Jong to Manchester United, Scott, even though he is not speaking so favourably of that. Um, And Gavi will kind of be the long-term future of Barcelona's midfields alongside Pedri. But... As it stands, he is technically out of contract. Do, do you know what I find funny is how Barcelona are in such a position where they can't even seal registrations of contracts like this, yet every single player in the world seems to want to play for them. Take back to Jules Kunde last summer, what Frankie de Jong says in public, although there's 
more than more than meets the eye there. You've got Bernardo Silva suggestions of Aymeric Laporte wanting to go there. Ilkay Gundogan is of interest to Barcelona. And yet they've got to cut like a hell of a lot from their budgets in order to register new players according to the rules. And it just seems like everybody still wants to go to Barcelona at the moment. Well, if we if Barcelona signed three of those players that you've mentioned, that's probably adding close to three quarters of a million euros a week to their weekly weekly wage total. They need to probably get rid of over a million euros worth just to be sustainable and to be able to register these players. So massive work to do on Barcelona's side, but they see Gavi as the cornerstone of their future, don't they, Graham? They gave him the number six shirt, made famous by Xavi during his playing career. Barcelona want to make him kind of their top talent alongside Pedri. Yeah, They've got no intention of letting him go, and he he loves it there. Yeah, new Xavi and Iniesta, Iniesta, isn't it? And it's just that other one, isn't it? Obviously, they've got Frank Kessie on the free, who's started to get his game time now. But you can see from their chase of Gundogan and Silva, you know, if you added them to win as the alternative, it really would. I'm not saying Kessie's not a good player, but he can't hold a candle to them two, in my opinion. So Gundogan and Silva would be a couple of special um, additions for them. And puts a smile on Scott's face because then there won't be much room for Frankie de Jong. So he might have to move elsewhere. He's indispensable at the moment. Uh, he's loving life at Barcelona, except he couldn't drag them past Man United at Old Trafford a few weeks ago. Anyway, uh, me and Toby. He didn't want to, that. Scott, because he didn't he want didn't to. He didn't want really. to. <laughs> <laughs> uh, let's talk about another uh, midfielder in La Liga, Gabri Vega. Uh, Graham, fill us in on who this is and what the story is. Gabby Vega, yeah, a young midfielder. Um, is he 20 now, I think? Um, you'll see him at Celta Vigo. You wouldn't have heard of him much unless you were follow La Liga. Um, he's performing brilliantly well. He's got over 11 goal contributions, assists and goals. Um, for a Celta Vigo team who, who aren't pulling up many trees particularly. Um, but yeah, he's been an absolute standout performer in La Liga with all the top talents we know there. Um, nine nine goals so far, because I think he scored at the weekend as well um, against Espanyol in their win. But he has, is a bit, in terms of Jude Bellingham, he's got more clubs than Jude Bellingham, primarily because he has a very nice release clause, this, this young man. he's You can get him for 40 million euros. He's 20, 40 million euros. Celta's record um, sale is Lobotka, who went to Napoli. They're interested in him as well. Basically, every major team in Europe is looking at Gabri Vega. He's a wonderful talent. The, this, the, the indications we're getting from Spain is that he's likely to stay in La Liga, be it Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, all who want him. He's not. He's seen his addition to anything they want, so we're just talking about Barcelona targets. Don't rule him out going there and maybe being loaned out. But for €40 million... Euros, it's far too good an opportunity to turn down. But yeah, everyone in England's watching him. Despite is a huge, huge talent. It's a stranger, isn't it? Because normally we don't see many young 20-year-olds getting this far without being snapped up by Real and Barca. But he has come through the system at Celta. He loves it there. But yeah, we fully expect him to move this summer. Um, and don't be surprised if he turns up in the Premier League. But yeah, the big three in Spain are fighting hard. And I think what we're hearing is likely to stay there because they can offer a lot more players in exchange. So Sartvega would be open to that, um, taking a few of these younger players in exchange. And we know Real and Barca and Atletico have got massive squads that can offer some more Spanish players to them. But yeah, keep an eye on Gabri Vega. He's um, a very special talent. 
someone who has been a very special talent over the past few years, but his career has seemed seemingly derailed over the last few years. You could even argue since he joined Man United, Paul Pogba. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's been a long time, Matt. Uh, Paul Pogba, uh, back to Graham. Barely played for Juventus this year. Injury problems, missed the World Cup. Uh, a number of things have gone wrong. Uh, frustration at Juventus with him. But he thinks he knows best about how to get his career back on track. Is that right? Um, a little bit. I think he has been taken by some elsewhere, um, namely Didier Deschamps. And because his it's his desire to stay in Turin, he wants to stay with Juventus, wants to repay them. He loves it there. Yeah, it hasn't gone according to plan this season. And Juventus, you know, with this um, points deduction, and everything what's going to happen to them possibly. Well, there's a hearing about that in April, isn't it? The appeal. There's a lot of could be lots of turmoil still to come in Juventus. But Pogba doesn't want to be one of those players causing it. He wants to stay. And and again, we come back to Euros, guys. He, he it's going to be a big twelve months for Pogba. He could easily be a, a massive part of this French midfield in Germany in twelve months' time. I think he thinks the best place to do that is with Juventus. And as as we said, we understand Didier Deschamps has advised him to stay. Um, a club that Deschamps knows very well. But I think it is a sensible decision. As you say, Scott, we're not used to seeing some of these sensible decisions from, from Paul Pogba, but I think this is one of them. I didn't say that. Hmm. <laughs> but I just said, no, I'll, I'll, it's not a sensible decision to sign for a team coached by Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. That was a really He signed decision. when Mourinho was there. <laughs> Well, is that he wanted? To, if United had listened to him more, he, straight away he said Ollie wasn't good enough. If you'd listened to him this, from the start, this is true. Could have had Eric, Eric in that bit earlier. You could have had Eric 88 that 12 months earlier, Scott. Look where you'd be now. It's interesting that Pogba's only been back for eight or nine months, has been injured for the majority of that time. Mm. And former Juve defender Marco Tardelli called him a big problem for the club. Not really a ringing endorsement of. Pogba's potential commitment, despite what we're saying, that he wants to stay, fight for his place, get his French international career back on track. If you're viewed as a problem by those within the club, you can't really see that marriage lasting too long, can you? I think the Juventus have got a lot of problems, Toby. You know, I think I think they've got an awful lot of problems at Juventus. I'm not sure Pogba's one of the bigger ones. Off the field, anyway. Saying that, though, uh, yeah, off, off the field there are some problems, but they did go to... They went to Inter at the weekend and won, is mm. that right? Yeah, after uh, getting past Freiburg in the Europa League. They're actually their favourites with you, United, for the Europa League, aren't they, Scott? I think they'll they'll meet in the semi-final if both teams win uh, yeah. their quarter-final matches. And looking at it, I know they've had this points deduction. They're really making headway on the top four. And they may get even less, Scott, so they might have some points to come back. Maybe. Uh, they are, oh, what, seven, seven points off top four. In Serie A, and we we we've reported on Dusan Vlajevic and this kind of thing about how Juventus were prepared to let him go because they top four was so far off, uh, and they understand that obviously selling him and rebuilding with the with the money might be a benefit to them. But if they could somehow manage to, to swing their way in there, it might change the picture. Well, their good form has coincided with Inter falling apart, Milan falling apart, Roma falling apart. And Atalanta falling apart. I think all of those teams have lost at least two out of their last five, and three of them have lost three out of their last five, which has allowed Juve to gain some ground. So every chance they do get back in the top four. Easy to see why Napoli are romping the way to success. <laughs> yeah. 
Let's uh, let's move on to the final player on today's agenda. Ruben Neves is a, you know, he's been at Wolves for it seems like forever. Mm-hmm. Uh, he signed in 2017 from Porto. In the, champion, remember, in the, championship, in the championship, if you remember. Yeah. And I remember when they signed him, I was like, hello, cool. Ah. And he's been there ever since. Now, we know that there's been a number of clubs who've been interested in him over the past few years. I know that Man United have had a sniff, Graham, Liverpool, Newcastle, Tottenham, uh, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid. We list in a, the article on 90min.com about his future. Wolves set to offer him a new contract, but not going to happen, is it? No, I think this is the summer where we see Ruben Neves leave. You know, he's given so much great service to Wolves. You know, he could have, you know, he could have been demanding a move for the last three years, couldn't he? Really, which he hasn't done. He's given great service to the to the Golden Black at Molyneux. But yeah, he's on his way. I, one of my favourite players in the Premier League. I absolutely love him. I think he's great, and I think he'd be a wonderful signing for anyone who could get him. I think he's such proven Premier League quality. The performance he's getting out of this. And he's been at Wolves, you know. He hasn't been at a top four team. He, he's he's been. I think he's been absolutely fantastic. He's captain his team now. I think whoever gets him, it'll be a massive coup. Uh, I think he's only going to get better. Um, we know Newcastle like him. I think he'd be a great fit there alongside Bruno. But you know, Scott McTominay. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But the Newcastle want quite a few in there, to be fair. But I I, I think he's great. I think we will see him move. I. Do we see him going back to Spain? You know, Atletico Madrid, you could see him there. It depends what Wolves ask. I don't think Wolves are going to ask a stupid money, but I think it's going to be close to... It's probably going to be a £50 million deal. and It's probably about right, I would say. Let's round off. Do you reckon they can push through that much, Graham? I was thinking about the last 12 months. I said a 40 plus 10 sort of deal, so 50 if he hits targets, you know, so I think it'd be a 40 plus. I think... You know, I think he's, it depends. It's one of those players, isn't he, where you've got a rice and a market belly. He's a different type of player to those, isn't he? But he's got such a... I think he's a, just a brilliant footballer. Um, and I think wherever he goes next, he will shine. And I think wherever he goes next and does well, the rest of the teams will wonder why we didn't do it. Um, so, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. He's want, want, very much want to keep an eye on But, um, yeah, it looks like he he won't sign up. He, he might end up doing it. I don't think he will from what we're hearing, Scott. He'll say, he will turn this down. It'll be thanks, but no thanks. And uh, he'll probably be departing Molyneux. And, and we've seen, actually, um, the young Brazilian, João Gomez, go in. Um, he looks a, a wonderful young talent. So, they are preparing for his departure, I would say. Let's round off today's show with Man United ownership. Latest... Uh... There's a number of parties in the frame, Graham. Still in the running. There's a, I believe Wednesday at 9 p.m. is the deadline to make second bids. There's been indicative offers made so far. And there are a number of parties in the running, in the mix still. What is, obviously this is a, this is a conversation that's moving all the time. Where are we as we stand with it? Yeah, as you say, it's got British time tomorrow, 9pm. Second bids will go in. We know about the Qatari bids from Sheikh Tani. We know about Sir Jim Ratcliffe and Ineos. But there are up to another six more interested parties. We said this before, we've got, there's, there's a lot of parties interested who we don't know about yet. Rain Group have asked them to keep quiet. So a lot of these groups have. Uh, but not all outright parties who are interested might be some who are investment i'd say i'm told at least four of her overall takeovers the rest might just be for investment 
So it'll be interesting to see. We, at least one of them are American, from what we understand. And, and we'll see. We we hopefully will hear a few more names, Scott, this week, won't we? It might surprise us who these American bids are from. You know, it's really going to hit. We, we've seen reports that um, the Qatari bid under Shaitani is favourite. I'm being told that isn't the case from sources in America. Not to say they won't get them, but to call them favourites is very, very premature, is what I'm being told. Um, the bids, the second bids are just going in tonight, and I guess the second bids are the real big, big ones out there. This will tell us really how keen these teams are and whether the Glazers are going to get their the money they want, Scott. Because if they don't get the money they want, they will turn to the investment bids and stay in charge. And uh, yeah, um, we'll see. Nobody those, wants we, that. We'll see those. <laughs> we'll see those green and yellow flags out again, won't we, Scott? If um, if that's the case, but yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting week at Old Trafford, that's for sure. Well, I suspect we'll find out who the other permanent bidders are. Yes, indeed. Final thoughts, Toby, on today's show? Well, so Jim Radcliffe said he will not pay a stupid price to buy Manchester United. So that's the one thing that needs to be um, Man United need to be wary of or mindful of. That six billion euros is that deemed a stupid price. Probably shouldn't be given the uh, the assets and everything the club's got available to them. But I don't think that will go down with well with Rain Group, will it? TC, I'm going no. speak when, when Rain Group say don't don't speak to people. I'm not sure the the thought the Wall Street Journal would be high up on the list of people to speak to. <laughs> I don't think that would have gone down well. And 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 it does it, it for me. That's a Jim Ratcliffe comment. It is a sounds like a parting gesture, should we say to. We're not going to say it's going to fail, but it sounds a bit like the he's he's warming he's warming up for that speech, isn't he, Scott? It doesn't sound he's too confident by that. Yeah, we'll see how it develops. Obviously, uh, this is a moving story. Uh, it will keep developing over the the next forty eight hours or so and beyond that. Who do you want? Who is... Scott? Do you want the Qataris? I don't feel as though United need state backed whether you say it is or it isn't uh, that kind of investment in order to succeed and get back to where they, <coughs> where they should be. Um, but you know, it's all Qatar or the Glazers, which would you rather have Scott? Qatar uh, Glazers with new back in or Qatar? Graham, don't put me on the spot on this. <laughs> Please. Uh, anyway, we need, uh, we need to cut something for Harry to put out there. Of course. Come on, come on. The, the, the fans are demanding answers, Scott. Which one? Good, good time to wrap the show. Let's uh, let's move on. Uh, we'll see you next week for another talking transfers. Uh, please subscribe on all your major podcast platforms uh, Apple, Google, Spotify, and the likes. You can visit 90min.com uh, for all of the latest on transfers. 90min.com forward slash categories forward slash transfer. Got it, Toby. Got it. Great. Uh, you can also find us on socials 90min underscore football for the 90min brand at underscore Scott Saunders at Toby underscore Cudworth and at Graham Bailey for all of the latest from us you can catch uh, latest transfer stories in my case some snide comments um, which kind of uh, yeah that, that's just my shtick I guess uh, and uh, the Harry latest Kane, from- please. Harry, Harry Kane please as well Harry Kane, please, this kind of thing. <laughs> uh, but yes, yeah, so you can follow us on all of your major um, podcast platforms. And we'll be back soon for another Talking Transfers where there's going to be more stories ramping up over the next few weeks as we approach the summer transfer window with no major international tournament in the men's game to get in the way of things happening. 
So might be a full-on summer of transfer stories every single day with no distractions. I'm sure everyone's really, really looking forward to that. Anyway, uh, we'll see you soon, everyone. Thanks for listening. We'll be back soon.